You are tuning in to Faith Without Filters, an RCM podcast. All right. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Wa salatu wa salamu ala Rasulillah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, everybody. As always, we begin by praising Allah, setting peace and blessings on our beloved Prophet. Welcome to Faith Without Filters. This is RCM's first ever podcast. And uh, for those of you that are brand new uh, people to RCM, never been to a program or seen what we've done. Uh, RCM is a Roswell community masjid located in Roswell, Georgia. I am uh, the resident imam. Arshad Anwar is my name. And I have been serving this community for the past, uh, you know, this is my, my sixth year. Alhamdulillah, I started in 2015. And I love what uh, I get to do. And this is just another opportunity for us to provide uh, a service to our community, especially during these coronavirus days where everybody is kind of quarantined and, and kept at home. And I am joined with our Ustada, Ustada Fatima Let. Assalamu alaikum, Ustada. Waalaikum salam. Hello, everybody. I'll let you introduce yourself. Oh, interesting. Well, I am the Ustada here at RCM, and I've been here for two years, um, I think. Two years? Shalom. Yeah. I can't believe it's been two years already. Alhamdulillah. So I really enjoy also working at RCM because like Imam Arshu mentioned, it's like you get to do all the things that probably can't do other places um, and be able to really <laughs> help the community and being able to really actually grow with the community. And so this is one of the things that we felt like will be very beneficial for our community members. And that also we we have very nice conversations together. So why not just bring those conversations to the public eye? Absolutely. And uh, so basically, Faith Without Filters is going to be uh, you and I just talking, right? We're going to be talking about uh, questions that we were fielding from our community. Uh, so you're, you're, you're in Dallas still, right? Yeah, I'm here in Dallas. And so, so. You, you were getting questions from Dallas or was it people from Atlanta that were sending you questions? I think it was a mixture of both. So there are like a bunch of people from Atlanta that was sending me questions and okay. maybe like three or four people from Dallas here. So, mm. so, so the Atlanta community was more active. As long as the Atlanta community was more active, that's what I want to yeah, hear. Pretty much, pretty much. I sent a <laughs> bunch of my, my um, people over to your Instagram though first to ask you some questions. Yeah, I got some new followers and uh, that, that was pretty cool. So anytime you can send me more followers, I always appreciate that. Uh, so let's, let's, let's jump into it. So we're going we're gonna to kind of go back and forth. I'm going to maybe, I'll ask a question that was uh, sent to me. Then uh, Ustada and I will talk about it. And then you, you can ask one of the questions that was sent to you. And let's just see how many, how many we can field uh, in, this, in this episode. Episode one. What is this? Star Wars, right? Episode one. Okay, anyways. Not gonna get into that. I never watched um, Star Wars. All right. Oh my God. Well, you know what? Uh, Star Wars or Star, yeah, Star Trek, Star Wars. I could never really tell the difference. We're probably gonna lose some audience over this, but yeah, that's okay. Uh, all right. So I got a question. Uh, it was more like a, I guess, a suggestion, something uh, they wanted us to talk about, and that was about self-compassion and forgiveness. Uh, it was a comment that uh, you know sometimes people can be really hard on themselves. And uh, from a faith perspective, I guess, what are some thoughts we can, we can, we can present uh, about self-compassion, I guess, is that, does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I feel like, especially in the world of everyone tries to be like really perfect, you know, where it's like, okay, I need to make sure that I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing everything in the best way that I possibly can. And so anytime you fall short of your definition of perfect, then you kind of 
kick yourself for the for the most part. You like start talking down to yourself, yeah. start treating yourself badly. Um, and I think that, you know, a big part when I think about this, I think about the hadith of the Prophet when he talks about, you know, someone who makes commits a sin or makes a mistake that they should follow up that bad sin with a good deed because then it wipes out the sin. Mm. And it's not talking about, you know, a yeah. tip for tat. What it's letting you know is about self-compassion. That is like literally the, what it's talking about in the sense of letting you know that you have good in you despite the mistakes that you make. Yeah, and I was recently talking to somebody and uh, you know, they, were, they were asking questions uh, about Islam. They had, a lot, they had a list of questions and they were just kind of asking, trying to get answers. And they kept making these little comments like, uh, you know, oh my God, I'm so dumb. Or, oh, I, you, know, uh, you know, I'm so this or that. And, and it, it kind of bothered me a little bit. So I, I commented while they were asking these questions. I was like, stop saying that about yourself. And then it turned into a conversation about, you know, the kind of messaging, uh, you know, you, you give to yourself, the kind of things you, you actually say to yourself. And it was really interesting that, you know, that, that question that popped up was, was, is it haram to talk down to yourself? Hmm. And, you know, that uh, before I kind of share what, because I had to answer on the spot, right? I didn't get a chance to think. So I'm going to ask you that question. What would you say if somebody was just like, is it really haram to just talk down to yourself? I would say that like this is it. Uh, well, they're asking you from a thick perspective, but this is not a thick. It's not a thick situation. You know what yes, I'm saying? that's exactly what I thought, it's too. Not yeah. a thick situation. You know, halal and haram are those things are very thick. They're very like black and white things. That's something else. You're a human being and you cannot treat yourself like a robot. You know, you cannot yeah, treat yourself absolutely. like a a book. We're humans. We have emotions. You know, we have different things about us. We're complex. And so just having the question about is it halal, is it haram, I feel like that's just not, it's not even a question. It's not a relevant question in this particular um, subject, actually. Yeah. So yeah, not everything has to have a fatwa, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that, so it was interesting because, you know, I, I, I took it to the direction of, you know, is what you're doing when you're talking down to yourself in this way, is it, is it something that's productive for who you are as a person or is it mm. something that's, that's destructive? Like, you know, are you, are you contributing something positive? Because, you know, sometimes you may talk down to yourself because you, you really need to humble yourself. Mm. Like there's maybe different way, like, ways to, to think about this. So maybe if I'm getting too conceited, maybe I do need to talk down to myself a little bit to get myself leveled out. But, you right. know, so maybe in, in that sense, it's halal. But if it's, if it's more harmful, then, you know, it's not that, that the fact that always talking down or whatever, you know, being hard on yourself is, is, is the issue. But it's, you know, are, are you creating something that is unhealthy for your, your person? Uh, and, and so in the Quran, there, there, you know, there are things about not harming yourself, not hurting yourself unnecessarily. And so if anything, I guess you're contributing uh, when it comes to like, you know, uh, not being compassionate to your own self from that perspective, it would probably be opposite of what the religion intends, right? Right. And I think it's so important to recognize that part of self-development is giving yourself room to grow, mm. you know, because if you don't have room to grow, then you're, you're just, you're going to talk down on yourself so much so that you won't even be able to be productive, like you were saying, you know, yeah. so it's kind of like, you don't want to be counterproductive, right? You don't want it to be yeah. where it's like, okay, I missed the courage today, and you, now you're down a spiral of like, misery where you're not i miss one prayer i'm probably going to miss the next for the next yeah. couple of weeks i can't get up and pray. now you've that thing has not exacerbated so far 
you made things worse. <laughs> you did. So what are, what are some things that you would suggest to people that want to be more compassionate with themselves? Self-care tips, right? Self-care tips. I think one, one very important thing that someone once told me that I feel like helps a lot is being mindful of your thoughts. Because mm. being mindful of how you think of yourself and being mindful of your thoughts and combating the negative thoughts that you have. Because sometimes we even say things like you mentioned, like in passing, like, men, I'm so stupid. Like, oh, I, I, I suck at yeah. this. I suck at that. Next thing you know, like you've been just putting yourself down subconsciously this entire time you didn't even realize it. And so my, being mindful really helps where you say, you know, if something happens that wasn't the best, like, oh man, I didn't get it this time, but inshallah, I'll get it next time. Like things like that. Being very particular about how you think about yourself. Um, yeah. I think another thing that helps me in that too, like personally with being like more positive and stuff is that I think about how Allah SWT like created us and he says that Adam that he has made you know human beings like just dignified and honorable people and part of being dignified dignified and honorable is that like I feel like it's like a responsibility that Allah SWT has given me and so I cannot talk down on myself or be like mean to myself because yeah. God made me honorable. Hmm, that's an interesting point. It's like you, you've been given that honor as a human being by your creator. Uh, and I guess just like you would be, you know, harming other people by being not generous, not kind in the words you speak to them. It's kind of the same thing when you're speaking to your own soul. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, mashallah. You know, there's also this, uh, like when, when practically people talk about, you know, being productive and, uh, and successful and all this kind of stuff, you see people practicing this thing where, where, they, where they speak to themselves, where they talk to themselves. Uh, so we have these concepts that already exist in society, like you have a pep talk, uh, yeah. you know, whenever before a game in school, you had a, a pep rally. And the entire purpose of that is to create a, a positive feeling inside mm -hmm. of you. Now you can, you know, when we had pep rallies and I think our football team rarely ever won. Right. I'm not going to say which high school I went to. Like it rarely ever, we rarely ever won a game, but every pep rally was crazy. Like yeah. everybody was so excited and it was just the environment that was kind of, that was created. And, you know, being compassionate to yourself is kind of creating that environment. It's not about the results, right? So you, whatever, whatever you're facing in your, in your life is, you know, you don't control the outcomes, but the kind of effort you put in is likely, you know, reflected by the kind of messaging you give yourself. So, you know, we, we do public talks, right? And if before we get up, uh, you know, on stage to go in front of people and give a talk, if somebody tells us things like, you know, oh my God, you look so weird. Your voice sounds off. Oh and how do you think, you know, you think they're even going to listen to what you have to, oh like that's going to put thoughts in our heads, right? It's, it's just going to make us so nervous. That, It'll it's destroy and you get in front. <laughs> but if somebody like really builds you up before you go and, and speak, uh, then, you know, you yourself, the effort you put in yourself is just so much greater. And I think that's kind of what um, uh, the good thing about being compassionate with yourself is it's, it's allowing yourself to put a better effort into what mm -hmm. you're doing. Even if covering from something, allow yourself to put that, you know, that better effort by being a little nice to yourself, uh, surrounding yourself with people that are going to be positive uh, being a little bit more positive with yourself as well, because again, you know, it's, you are what you say is kind of, you know, that's why, by the way, this is interesting. This is kind of a side point, but I have always looked uh, at dhikr from this perspective. This is how mm -hmm. I've always under, like 
try to understand dhikr. So, you know, you're repeating things over and over and over again. And, uh, you know, from, from the way I kind of see it as a, as a practical benefit, it's, it's messaging, right? So mm-hmm. if you're, you know, uh, if you're just saying, la ilaha illallah, you're just reassuring yourself with yeah. that message that, you know, yeah. there is no God, you know, Allah is in control. If you're just Allahu Akbar, Allah, you're just reassuring yourself. And it's literally like, you know, looking in the mirror and talking to yourself and saying things like, you are great, you are good, you, you got this over and over again. Uh, but then you're just putting those extremely positive, uh, you know, vibes. messaging in your life. And the salawat. Vibes. vibes. What? Vibes. Vibes, yeah. And even with the salawat, right? Just kind of reminding yourself with, about the Prophet Sallallahu and who he was and your real purpose. So I've always, you know, being compassionate with yourself uh, through dhikr is also something that's really, really beneficial. Uh, and I think people kind of underutilize uh, the value of dhikr. I don't know. I completely agree. I think that, you know, especially when you are saying things like la ilaha illallah or la hola la quota like there's no there's no power except for the power that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has. Like these things really take a lot of pressure off of you. Yeah. Like you put you put as much effort as you can in and you say, Okay, I'm leaving the rest to God, right? Like that level of just faith and and reliance on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes that pressure off of you and now you don't feel like okay well everything is my fault everything's my problem everything is this everything is that it's like okay what's meant to happen will happen yes well it's amazing it's amazing the kind of uh vibes like you said you can get based on what you surround yourself with so what was what was a question you got what was a what was a dallas question oh i got (laughs) it it wasn't a dallas question okay (laughs) All right, this wasn't, listen for my Dallas people out there, Imam Arshad is coming for your lives, but it's okay, I'm, I got him. Um, I don't know where this question came from in the world, but the question that I got, and I want you to answer this from the okay. most technical aspect that you can answer this question, Imam Arshad. All right, bismillah. What is the Islamic ruling on time traveling? The Islamic ruling on time traveling. Yes. Oh wow! You know what? We can apply our we can apply our principles here, right? You, if you we don't have any, humbly, right? <laughs> I'm I'm humble. I'm humble. Yes, and therefore oh. I am humbly. Mashallah. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm not. I'm not always. You know, are, are you are you Hanafi? Just for just for the record here, since we since we got this on record, what what are you? What is your fiqh? My fiqh is whatever I study. MashaAllah. When I study it. There we go. Alhamdulillah. So you got nothing, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a funny question. And I know we're just kind of bringing it up because it's a funny question. But like from an Islamic perspective, if you don't have anything to say, it's haram, then it's then, haram. Right? Yeah. Now, I don't know how prayer would work. <laughs> oh, interesting. But no matter which time period you traveled to, you would just pray towards Mecca, right? I mean, yeah. But would, what if would well, prayer be, a, be obligatory <laughs> on you if you travel to the past? Because then you've already prayed. prayed. Yeah, in the future. Well, so that's interesting. If you if you went back five years, then you could technically go the next five years without praying, because unless you hadn't prayed the past five years, then you could just do qada. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. All right, Let, let's table that one for it. <laughs> we'll ask some of the Dallas shiuch that question. I got we'll, see. we'll see what they say. I think we you, 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 you got another question. 
so this question actually, I feel like it's a question that comes up, especially a lot in terms of the workplace, um, in terms of school, and even just like everyday life and how our society is here in America, being like American Muslims, right? And the question that comes up is, what are the limits or the guidelines around gender interactions and what are the boundaries mm. there? Oh, wow. That's a, that, yeah, that's, you know, and this comes up in so many different contexts. Uh, for the masjid, it's always like, you know, I've gotten questions, a lot of questions on, do we need separate doors for men and women to walk into? Uh, you know, what's the length of the partition, both the width and the length? Like, you know, what's, what's the, the, the deal with that? And, uh, you know, traffic control in, in, yeah. in, at events and, you know, have all this stuff. Youth groups, our youth groups constantly get, uh, you know, criticized sometimes when, when they're doing things and they're not doing things with, you know, entire uh, separation. And or then, you know, like as us, you, yeah. us two working together, having meetings, yeah, that nature. absolutely. Right. And so like, at RCM, so we have uh, like, you know, four uh, female staff members, two male staff members. We have an executive committee board that meets uh, and comprised of both males and females. And, you know, it's like in every generation, this generational level, this question is getting asked, right? Nobody really has an issue with it at like a pre-K kindergarten level. We start getting right. into elementary school and start talking to boys and girls about, you know, what, what, what it's like, and you know, what are the rules? And then you get into your teenage years where everybody basically breaks those rules uh, <laughs> until they're like, you know, married or something. Uh, and then you have that, that next, you know, part in your life where you're working and, and not, you know, especially here where you, you know, people don't understand uh, yeah. some of our, our issues, but you know, for w one of the ways I always try to kind of just address this issue is number one, I, I ask, I always ask people to just be normal. And, and that, you know, normal in an Islamic sense. And again, you know, we, we have, uh, we, if you look at the interactions at the time of the prophet and we're, we're not any, we're not going to be any more righteous than, you know, the prophet and the companions anhum. and, you know, it's, it's interesting how people can read information. Uh, and this is just like a, an academic thing, right? So you have a text and a hadith. And it's, it's always interesting how someone that already feels a certain way will mm -hmm. understand a text and decide that this is what it actually means, right? And so it has a more, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, conservative meaning. And I don't like, I don't like those words very much because I, I don't think they're very well defined. Uh, and then somebody can say, well, this has a more, you know, like open or, or, liberal. or liberal, yeah, liberal meaning. And I, and I don't like these words in, in a religious context because I, I don't think they make any sense. But it's, you know, if we look at a text that gives us guidance, but then you also look at, you know, the texts that, sh that demonstrate interaction for you. Uh, it, I think that's the better approach in trying to understand what was it like for the people uh, in Medina and Mecca with the Prophet Wasallam. What was their interaction actually like? And, you know, mm -hmm. one of the hadith that comes to mind, and I'm just mentioning this because it's just a topic, is, is when a, a woman came to the Prophet Wasallam offering herself in marriage to him. And she comes, uh, comes to him and there's another Sahabi that's sitting next to him, at least one more. And, uh, you know, the Prophet does not want to marry her. And so he just kind of, you know, he kind of looks away. He doesn't look at her because he doesn't, he doesn't want to say, you know, whatever it is, right? But th that's the interaction that's happening. She's like, you know, I, I'm giving myself to you in marriage and the Prophet is, is, is saying no by basically avoiding eye contact, looking away. And then the person sitting next to him says, Ya Rasulullah, I would like to marry her. Right. If she's coming and she's looking for a husband and, you know, you're saying no, 
I would like to marry her. And then he has this conversation with them. What can you give her of mahar? And he doesn't have that much mahar. And then they start talking about what kind of things could be, uh, you know, done. And she agrees and all that. So you have basically a wedding taking place, right? Right but, there. Right there. But she walks up to the Prophet Sallallahu And again, so you look at the interaction, right? She's offering herself to marriage. You know, is, is, is she, when you're offering yourself to marriage to someone, are you going to come, you know, completely concealed, all this kind of stuff? There's somebody else sitting there uh, and they're not asked to leave, right? They're mm -hmm. not asked to go somewhere else because this is, you know, oh, so a, a sister just walked in. You need to get up and go uh, or something like that, right? And these are all because he then says, I'll marry her. So, I mean, they're not related whatsoever. Uh, and there's so many interactions. When you, when you look at the interactions themselves, you see it was a very just, it was a very normal thing. It was a very dignified thing. Uh, and it, it wasn't something that was, uh, you know, outwardly or, out of an overcaution, uh, treated like, you know, like you're walking on, uh, what do they call it? Eggshells. Yeah. You know, don't be walking on eggshells. And I've seen things get really awkward because we create this environment where, you know, we don't even know how to interact with the, with the opposite gender. And it just becomes the most awkward thing in the world. Uh, a prime example of that, like you're in a grocery store, uh, you see a Muslim sister, you know, you, you, you guys will like, you know, run away from her. Whereas, you know, I've always told people, was like, if you see your Muslim sister in, in, in a public place, go say salam and let her know, sister, if you need anything, I'm right here, right? You know, if something happens, like, yeah, I'm right here. No issue going to the cash register and chatting up the cashier, right? Exactly. Oh, how's your day? How, you know, you got kids, how many kids you got, all this and that, oh, you know, laughing and joking and whatever. But with their own Muslim sister, they're like, astaghfirullah, I can't even look at her. And she'll be like right behind them in line, like not even a salam. Or, or, or nothing. And it's like, what, what kind of world are we living in where, where this is happening, right? Why are we so comfortable with a non-Muslim person of the opposite gender, uh, but then we can't even, you know, we have these eggshells that we're on with, with each other. Yeah, I feel like, you know, that's a really good point, especially about being normal, because it's just so weird where it's kind of like, you know, even, even in, in a classroom setting, right? you'll be teaching a class or I'll be teaching a class or something like that. And it's kind of like just awkward where, where you clearly like we're opposite genders, which is fine. But like something that I tell my classmates or my students and things of that nature is that you're, to me, you're just a student. Like there's no gender thought in my mind. It's like, you're a student and I'm your teacher and that's kind of how it is. But because the Muslim community sometimes makes takes things so far in trying to prevent something that it ends up creating a, a problem. Yeah. You know, like there's this, this huge problem that becomes created. And so as a result of that, you have a lot of girls in the community who feel marginalized, yep. who feel like they're, they're unseen, they're unheard um, and things of that nature. And then you have a lot of, a lot of young guys, especially in the community who, you know, end up going off and like, you know, just having all these non-Muslim friends and like being able to be more, feel more comfortable with people who aren't Muslim, you know? And so it, yeah. it, it just creates an overall problem um, in the community. So I would say that one big thing is exactly what you mentioned, that it's so important for us to look at the life of the Prophet and see how things were, see how they interacted and maintain those boundaries. And it wasn't like the boundaries weren't so like difficult it was about just giving each other respect, you know, yes. like you respect yeah. any other person. You give each other respect, 
part of giving respect is giving salam, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, returning salam. And you, you made sure that you weren't in any compromising situations. You know what I'm saying? And even, I don't remember exactly the words of the narration, but if I'm not mistaken, it was like after one of the battles where, you know, there was a woman who came to talk to the Prophet Sallam, and there was a young companion next to him. And the Prophet Sallam told him to like, look away. Like he made him look away. But that's because the situation was compromising. Like yeah. he could tell that this guy was attracted to her. So he told the guy to do what? Look away. So you know when something is like stirring up inside of you, then you just remove yourself from the situation. Yeah, That's what we learned. You are normal, as normal as you can be. If you feel something, then you say, you know what? It's best that, you know, I don't really interact with this human. And you keep it pushing, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. It's, I, in my head, it's not as complicated. But no, You're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. But I do have a follow-up question. Okay. Do you believe that like, because this question comes up a lot too. So when we say, okay, you just be normal, then people say, well, I get girls, especially, I, I, I want to say especially, but girls, because I deal with girls more. They will say things like, I get along with guys more. So I have guy friends, mm. like close guy friends. So yeah. what do you think about that? You know, that's, that's interesting. I grew up, uh, m the majority of my cousins are are women right so the majority of my cousins are female i am extremely comfortable uh around a company of women right because i have i have many aunts uh you know i have many female cousins i've i've had you know just a normal uh you know upbringing but with a lot of exposure to you know my my, my cousins for it. like we were a very tight family every friday at my uh you know friday afternoon was my 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 dada my my dad's parents house and Friday evening was at my mom's parents house right and so uh, you know it was a very very uh, natural normal thing for us just to interact and so I've always been very comfortable and, and I understand what this person says right uh, at RCM for example right we have uh, you know we have two male staff members and we have four female staff members and we we tend to get along perfectly fine because you know there's there's no there's no baggage of uh, of awkward interactions right mm -hmm. awkward interactions and so you know, when somebody says that, I get it. I, I get what, what, you know, what, what, and it probably has a lot to do with, you know, the way the experiences you have growing up, uh, you know, what, what kind of family you had, what kind of friends you had as, as a child, because children, they belong with each other. They don't care if it's, who's a boy, who's a girl, they just play with each other. Right. Okay. Uh, my daughter, my, my youngest, who is now five, you know, and uh, this is that, that weird, normal father thing that, that happens when you grow up and she'll just be like, yeah, I was playing with Muhammad today. And you're just like, Muhammad who, right? It's just <laughs> weird, like, it's just automatic as an adult. Yeah. But as a child, they, they don't care. They don't, you know, there's none, none of that. And so it, a lot of your experiences uh, might, you know, and I believe it, that maybe you do get along better with guys because you just don't like the way other girls your age are. Maybe, you know, that's something like that. But, you know, there's not... Um, there are definitely limits, right? There are definitely limits right. that we have as Muslims. And we just want to be mindful of that. And when I say normal, you know, normal means what you just said. Like, you know, there's, there's this, that the norms of Islamic behavior is normal, mm -hmm. right? And so respect, generosity, kindness. And those aren't things that are exclusive to people that you get along with. And they're not exclusive mm -hmm. to people that are your friends, right? Mm -hmm. So there's all of that, you know, you have to have with your parents, your community members, your neighbors, non-Muslims, and your Muslim friends. And, you know, so those norms of, of, of behavior are, are very important. And then there are also norms of like, uh, you know, 
like should uh, you know uh, should like a, a guy and a girl be hanging out all by themselves no like that's just clearly there there there's really just text on that right that the yeah. third of them will be shaitan if you're inaccessible that's problematic and we all know that we all understand that and at some point we've all experienced that right especially if you just you grew up here you went to high school and even not just here right it's just anywhere it's a natural thing that you mm -hmm. that you experience so we have our norms right what is what is and our normal is defined by by allah and the messenger mm -hmm. and again it's it's what you said it's that character it's that uh that that those ethics that you have one of the best rules that i that i love and you know and i so we we do our youth group gathering sometimes you know you're, you're also one of the mentors for our youth group you know we would have uh you know the, their halakas together the boys and girls together and we did a halaka on gender relations yeah. and just talked openly about look and you know it was so much easier for you know to talk to boys and girls in the same room about gender relations and have them hear each other speak and talk about their experiences than just sitting with a group of boys and you know talking to them uh, and then you know them never getting to hear what it's like for you know a girl in that situation that they might put in and etc and i've always you, you know there, there's there's this weird i think this is going to be like the thing we're going to talk about today but <laughs> there's this weird awkward you know uh, opposite of our religious teaching principle that gets very religionized and that is mm -hmm. what happens to husnul dhan exactly. what happens to assuming the best in others when, and especially in the environment of a masjid or an islamic event exactly. right so we will create these spaces that are so separate and people will get so upset that we don't have you know a separate uh, gathering for girls, a separate gathering for women or men, etc. But there's no issue whatsoever when it comes to, hey, my kid goes to a public school, right? Hey, I'm going to send my daughter or my son to this and this university, right? And they're going to be by themselves. But when you go to the Hanukkah at the MSA, it better be separate exactly. because that's, you know, that that's, and there's whatever excuse you come up with, right? It just, it does, there's this double standard. And why are we so mistrusting of the Muslim community? Right. So if a guy and a girl in a masjid talking, why is the first thought that comes to your mind the absolute worst thing these two could end up doing? That's a real problem when yeah. we are assuming the absolute worst in somebody oh, else. So it, it, what happens to that? And that's like that's a religious teaching. Husnudhan, husnudhan. Uh, and it's like you see a guy and girl talking, they're talking. But to me, it's, it's when it really bothers me. Why in your head? And this is for the people that have these thoughts in their head. Why are you assuming that they're going to end up committing zina because they're talking? What is wrong with your head? What is going on in your mind? That's where your mind jumps to. But you don't have that thought when that same guy is out in a different environment and, and you know, engaging with you know, the, the girls at school or the ladies at work or you know, whatever else it, it may be. Why, why does this worst possible scenario pop into your head inside the masjid or the you know, youth group, et cetera? And part of it, by the way, is, is the more unnatural you make things, the more difficult things become. And you brought that point up about uh, guys and, you know, hanging out with non-Muslim girls. And then eventually what, you know, requests that we get for, you know, hey, can I marry this, this girl? She's not Muslim. Yeah. yeah. And then we have the situation that we're in today in our society where we have also where it becomes where Muslim girls are then talking to us too and saying, hey, can I marry such and such guy? He's not Muslim. Where it's kind of like, 
and then you ask them questions like, why didn't you find yourself a Muslim guy? It's like, well, Muslim guys don't talk to me. Yeah. You know, like I don't, they don't know I exist, you know? They don't know how to talk. <laughs> they don't know how to talk. They don't know, they don't look my way. Da, da, da. And this, that's not the yeah. point of the interactions in the masjid. The point of it is to just be a community, is to be normal. And yeah. like you said, like when we talk about, even me when I'm talking to people about, you know, friendships and guys and girls being friends and all these things, there's a, obviously a level of friendship there that you cannot reach because of the boundaries that should be maintained from the yeah. boundaries that the Prophet and Allah SWT has given us. But it doesn't mean that you become an awkward human, you know? Like, if I need something, I have no problem calling Imam Arshad and saying, hey, this is the situation, whatever the case may be. But you are clearly mindful of your timing of calling. You're mindful of where you are. You're mindful of just different things. And I feel like that's just a human dignity thing. Like, yeah. it's not even necessarily like, oh, okay, like, I need to be strict about this. No, you need to have respect for other people's boundaries and you need to have respect for yourself and, and put boundaries in yourself. But they don't have to be so like difficult, you know? Yeah. And I think that one big thing that you mentioned is why do we just people assume the worst when it comes to people interacting like in the masjid? Like in the masjid. I'm <laughs> in like, the masjid of all places. The masjid. Like there's cameras everywhere here. Like this is not <laughs> halwa by any means. Okay, like it's in the masjid, it's like outside the, the masjid, it's, it's at the MSA, like, you know, instead of being happy about them being in the masjid or being a part of the MSA or being around Muslim people, it's kind of like, oh, they're probably going to end up doing X, Y, and Z. It's like, no, well, you know, part of what we should be doing is teaching our young girls, our young boys, how they should be normal people in society so that they don't end up in compromising situations, yeah. whether it be with Muslims or non-Muslims. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? You just teach them to be weird with Muslims, but with non-Muslims, they can wild out. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. So let, let's do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention some, uh, some tips I give to guys, usually, right? And then I want you to mention some tips that you would give to girls, okay? okay. And then maybe we'll flip the switch and see if I can mention some tips that I can... I don't know. I feel like mansplaining. Okay, never mind. No. <laughs> don't worry, Mama. I won't put you on Twitter and tell everybody you're mansplaining. Okay. Well, we're gonna we're gonna be. This is gonna be available to the public. But all right. Anyways, so uh, one tip I, I give to the guys, and this is you know a, a part of a principle in our religion, and it's a rule. It's amazing, like how society functions, right? And so the dean gives us very practical things, and it's amazing how for productive reasons society will come up with these rules anyway on their own. And it's, it's really interesting. And that rule is keep your hands to yourself, yes. right? And uh, I, I, love, I love the way we've, we've, we've come up with that rule in, in schools because we've realized that when we don't keep our hands to ourselves, likely a problem will happen. And so the general rule is let's just keep our hands to ourselves. And with, you know, boy-girl interaction, guy, you know, uh, man-women interaction, this is the number one thing I tell people is like, look, the religion teaches you keep your hands to yourself for a very practical reason, right? And it's not about necessarily se uh, sexualizing anything. It's a very practical reason. The, the best thing I have seen out of this is maintaining everybody's comfort zone because you have no idea what the other person's comfort zone is. I have seen situations where a handshake uh, goes from a normal way of greeting somebody to becoming, uh, you know, borderline, if not actual sexual harassment. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's merely about the length of the handshake. 
So, you know, a man shaking a woman's hand, not letting go when she feels comfortable enough to let go, holding on while she wants to let go. Now it becomes the most awkward interaction you can possibly imagine from what was just a very normal, like, hey, you know, this isn't how we greet each other. But just because he decided to hold on and she couldn't let go or felt awkward enough to let go, it became an extremely uncomfortable situation. Uh, I've had girls, uh, you know, come to me and tell me about, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, uncles in the community or whatever, uh, you know, putting, and this is someone in their twenties, right. Uh, you know, putting their hands on their back and, you know, giving them the, Hey, you know, such a good girl has been a long time to you, but you know, from, from people that this, that they don't feel comfortable with becomes an extremely uncomfortable thing. And it happens over and over and over again. Yeah. And so the whole point of like, what we should be teaching our, our men, for example, is look, your general rule should be you don't put your hands on someone like that's just it. It's a, and you can make it a personal view. We live in a, in a world where you get to make your own personal values and stick to them. And who cares what everybody else thinks about it. Right. Been in situations where, you know, had to, had to, you know, shake somebody's hand and, and refused, didn't end the situation. Nothing, nothing happened, et cetera. I've been in situations where I have ended up shaking hands because it would have created a much more awkward situation. Right. And our ulama scholars have they've commented on this left and right on the issue of shaking hands, et cetera. Where, what are the exemptions and when is the concession that can be made? And they go into it in the, in the fifth aspect of it, but it all comes down to something being very practical, right? If it's going to make a worse situation because this person has no idea what your culture values are, you know, get it over with, do what you have to make, et cetera. But, you know, but you can have that personal value. If you work with people, you're around people all the time, they deserve to know your like, you know, that, hey, this is not something I do. Right. And I do it out of respect to myself and out of respect to you. So I just, I just don't do that. But that's the number one thing I always tell guys is just, you know, keep your hands to yourself. It's going to be, it's going to save you someday. <laughs> and the other thing about this is if, if this is a value that people about you know, then you, you're, you're setting yourself up to be a little bit more uh, righteous here. Yeah. Because what you're doing is you're creating a situation where you are telling people that, hey, if I actually do put my hands on you, you already know that's something I don't do as a norm. Yeah. And so that should set, you know, that should send alarms off in your head. Why am I touching you when I've already told you this is a value that I have? And that forces you to, you know, not cross those lines of temptation mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, I'm doing something that I've been very clear about with people that I don't do. And that can get me in trouble. And so I, I, even if I'm tempted, I'm able to curb that because I've been open about, you know, how I'm expected to be dealing with people. That's, that's a really good point. I usually tell girls too that it's so important to have very clear boundaries. Like mm -hmm. you have very clear boundaries in the sense that, you know, you're talking to somebody, you know what I'm saying? There's a certain length, six feet apart. Okay. We're in COVID, but I've been saying six feet apart for a long time. Okay. Yeah. You know, being able to have, you know, have that, that level of just like, it's not a barrier, but it's just giving space. Like you don't want anybody in your personal space. So you make sure you set that boundary. Yeah. Um, and then another thing I usually say is that, you know, it's so important to not be in a compromising situation where yes. you even feel uncomfortable, yes. right? Like, so, you know, if you're talking to somebody, you guys are just having a conversation, have a conversation in a public place. You know, there's no need to be just you and that person like alone, like you shouldn't do that, like, because yeah. that, that will make you uncomfortable. And it could lead to something in the sense that, you know, you don't, you don't want to be in a situation where you're sitting in front of me, letting me know that this and this happened. And that's not what I intended to, what I went there yes. for, yes. you know, and that comes up so much where it's like, Absolutely. It's, it's so yeah. important to protect yourself.
that's the point of it it's so you cannot control other people's actions you cannot control yeah. other people's thoughts you have to protect yourself and you have to pr- protect let's be real like reputation is a thing you have to protect your reputation yeah and so at the end of the day like make sure that you're not in any type of comp- compromising or seemingly compromising situation yeah no that's you know and i, I have to really you know this is such an important thing for both men and women but you're right the stories that we get to hear of horrible things happening uh, because of of situations that should have been avoided in the first place and to be very clear like you know if if someone does something bad no situation uh, allows them the right to ever do something bad to to another person even if they you know even if you end up being alone with somebody that does not excuse the other person for you know doing something to you yeah but what, what you have to understand, like you said, it's about protecting yourself. You are more compromised when you're in that situation, especially with someone uh, that, you know, if you're already doing something where nobody else knows where you are, yeah. uh, that's a very unsafe situation, especially yeah. in today's times, right? It should not be that you're with someone and nobody knows where you are and nobody knows who you're with. I'm not. I don't care. Yeah. Even if it's with the same gender girl with another girl friend that's a female, like yeah. someone should know where you are. Someone should know that you left your house. Someone should, and it sounds like, oh, well, why do I have to tell somebody? Because it's so important for you yeah. to be safe. It's so important for people to be able to look out for you. You know, if somebody Absolutely. has a, in a couple of yeah. hours, like it'll be important for someone to know where you are. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, for everybody else, Personal fun. Exactly. <laughs> Just exactly. because you might see someone in a compromising situation, don't jump to the worst possible conclusion. Exactly. There are a lot of uh, a lot of angles to this. Uh, oh man, what's what's another thing I think I would tell guys? Um, uh, yeah. Uh, the, so when I, when I was a teacher, I taught in uh, we we both taught the same Islamic school. Uh, you know, I I was teaching fifth grade, and uh, you know the principal, Dr. Siham, uh, she gave me you know when I first started, she gave me just wonderful advice. And she said, don't let any of the, well, she said, I think it was like the second grade and above girls hug you. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, she's like, students get excited and they love their teachers and they want to come like, just start creating boundaries from that age so mm-hmm. that we can have, uh, you know, like we can start teaching people how to, uh, how to, uh, how to interact. And when I was teaching fifth grade, uh, we had one of the surahs and I can, and it was, uh, right. Those who guard their private parts came up. Now, you know, sometimes parents pick the curriculum and uh, they don't always read through the surahs and then like, Hey teacher, you go teach this to a bunch of fifth graders. Now this ayah comes up and we want you to teach uh, the Quran with meaning. And it's like, okay, you really sure you want me to teach the Quran with meaning. Okay. Uh, but so we, you know, I came up with a way to present it as gender interaction. And uh, it was really interesting how, you know, so, with the boys and the girls in the class, we came up with a symbol and this was the symbol. And this was our reminder. And, uh, you know, it was literally, it was just like on the spot. Cause I was like, how do I, what do I, you know, I don't even, I didn't even realize this ayah is here. So what do we talk about when we get to this ayah? But it was, you know, we came up with this idea of the barrier of respect. And it was about, uh, you know, when, when someone's getting, you know, into your comfort zone or too close to you, for example, right? And this was just about, and so it was, we would do this little symbol and I would use it with the, with the students, right? And so if one of the students was getting close, I'd just be like, hey, let's have a little barrier of respect here, right? So we're not too close to one another. And it was, it was, it was phenomenal how it just became a thing, 
right? It became a thing. And it was students sometimes without even thinking would just come up behind you and they'll, they'll grab you and hug you and all this kind of stuff. And it didn't, it wasn't about embarrassing anybody or, you know, anything. It just became like, Hey guys, you know, or you would see two students and a boy and a girl standing and you were like, you know, they're a little bit too close together. And look, this, we all know what happens, right? Attraction is a very natural thing. It's not like they have the worst of intentions. It's just a, like, it's like literally, you know, this, yeah, we're created like this, right? It's, we're naturally created for this attraction. And so things happen. And, you know, just from across the room, I could do this and they would, you know, oh, like, you know, so and so, so and so, they could kind of separate. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's really about training, you know, not, you know, locking away boys in a different room and girls in a different room is not teaching them how to behave with each other. No. Uh, it's, it's actually exactly. what creates these situations where they don't know how to act with one another. Exactly. It yeah. actually makes the situation worse. It does. Um, it does. I think another advice, some advice that I give my teenagers, because I feel like teenagers are a different breed sometimes. <laughs> the advice that I give my teenagers is that I don't, I tell them all the time, like I understand, especially girls, like I understand that you um, may get along with guys better and like all this stuff, but that guy is not your end all be all friend. Like yeah. that's not the friend that you run to as soon as you have a problem. That's not the friend that when you're sick, they're bringing you soup. Like that's not, that's, that's not a friend. That yeah. is a person who you're interested in them and they're interested in you. You know, yeah. and so it's so important. Which, which technically there's nothing, there's nothing like, you know, exactly. we don't have to make that an evil thing. We can it's take that to a positive thing. place. <laughs> you take it, you definitely take it to a positive place. So yeah. which is why I always follow up with, if you're not ready to embark on that type of relationship, you shouldn't. Yeah. Because there are yeah. rights and regulations that go with that. Yeah, you know, absolutely. People have rights, people have, you, and you are not allowed to violate those rights because they're the rights that God has given them. Yeah. You know, and so if you're not, ready to embark on that type of relationship then you can't have your cake and eat it too yeah <laughs> oh he's my friend but he pays for everything he takes me everywhere i tell him when i'm sad i cry to him yeah. I, do this, I do that yeah no. that, that's no friend let's, let's be real that's no friend and all of us know that and as a guy let's just look and i think Thank just you. coming from a guy to girls no like <laughs> there's you know it's just not we're not built like that exactly uh, we're you know even if you look at like the entire secular perspective on what a man and you know whatever is they'll say like men are hunters right and yeah that's basically what's going on right so you got to be very careful <laughs> exactly. because it's and there's there's just enough there's just enough of it out there to to you know mm. and there's you know t girls should talk to women that have been through this you know boys should talk to men that are more responsible uh, but again, you know, it's, it's really, if we don't talk to our young people about, Hey, you know, when you start feeling like this, this is what's happening. It's yeah. an attraction. You're built like this. And you know, this is what, this is what life is like. Uh, when, when you get older, you, you look for a partner, et cetera, et cetera. And let's take the conversation there. Uh, but unfortunately, I don't know, sometimes, um, sometimes we create these cultures where, uh, we're, we're not facilitating marriage. Uh, we're not facilitating, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> positive outcomes for people because yeah. we still treat our 30 year olds like like 10 year olds <laughs> yeah. that is true <laughs> that's that's i get there's just too much in this there's yeah. too much in this and i think i don't know i don't know what we're, how we're doing on time let's let's do let's do one more thing let's do one more one more question quickly okay. uh and let's go from guy girl interaction to guy girl non-interaction now we're talking about divorce <laughs> I don't know if that was a good intro. 
But let's talk about the opposite end of the stick, right? Let's did, how did that transmission <laughs> even happen? I was like, where is he going with this? It was, it was, it was pretty natural. Again, it was, it was pretty natural. Uh, okay. okay. There was a question yeah. about the stigma, the stigma of divorce. Right there, there with the hadith that uh, you know the the most despised things amongst the things that are halal are is is that uh, is is talaq is divorce and and I you know we're kind of going off of this uh, I know I haven't had a time to go back and and look up this hadith but from what I remember from what I remember and I may be wrong about this is that there the authenticity or the uh, something about this hadith is disputed from what I can remember. So uh, I'm going to avoid the hadith. I'm going to avoid the hadith in, in, in and of itself. Uh, but there is something about the hadith, either through the meaning or through the chain of transmission that, that may be disputed. But definitely I have a, you know, just immediately, there's an ayah, there's a surah in the Quran. Called Surah Al-Talaq. Called Surah Al-Talaq, right? And there's a, it, it talks about, you know, what if the Prophet you know, what were to divorce you, what would happen, right? Because of the situation and the context that's, that's, you know, in its place, but that conversation exists. And then, you know, Allah gives us all these detailed rulings and rules and regulations for uh, divorce and, and marriage and all this kind of stuff. Uh, it's, 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 it's a process that has been, uh, you know, and, uh, and I say this from the point of view as an imam in, in a local community that deals with many divorce cases. Uh, and, I, and I say this, and I'll say this very openly, uh, in a community where a lot of divorce cases get sent over here because yeah. other people don't want to deal with them. Yeah. And I'm, I've, I've always been very open about that because that, that shouldn't be the case, but it is the case. Uh, and, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's always just been amazing how, you know, you go through the books of fiqh, you, you, you go through the rulings, and the, the process is there. It exists. And it facilitates almost every kind of separation that you can imagine. So amicable, meaning both parties agree to mm -hmm. the absolute worst, which is, you know, one person is guilt tripping you religiously to stay in the marriage and yeah. the other one's desperate to leave. And there's solutions for everything. Yeah. And there are moments where, you know what, the decision no longer rests in the hands of the, of the husband the or the wife. Yep. It'll, you know, it, it rests in the hand of the, of the state because they're like, no, you guys cannot live together. Yeah, this is not what a marriage is. You're becoming a community problem. <laughs> like you as a couple and a household are coming, becoming a community yeah. problem. So we as the state need to deal with your community <laughs> too because we cannot have you corrupting the rest of the world. Like, yeah, you're harming your kids. Yeah. You're harming your family. You're harming your neighbors. Like this yeah. is done, right? So there are those situations as well. And so it's, it's all facilitated within the, the tradition in our, in our law. But there is a stigma. There's a stigma that exists around divorce. And particularly, it affects who, Ustada? Woman. Yeah. Woman. And what's <laughs> so interesting is that, like, when you look at the seerah, the, you look at the, the yeah. life of Prophet and then you look into the different companions and it's like so-and-so, she used to be married to so-and-so mm -hmm. and then she didn't, she, they didn't, it didn't work out. So she's now married to so-and-so, so yeah. you know, and, and it's like, and it's pretty like vast in, in our history. Like yeah. it's a thing. It's not something that's praiseworthy, obviously, in the sense of like, you know, nobody's being like, yeah, get married with intention of divorce. No, absolutely yeah. not. 
but it's like a part of society, you know? Yeah. Like taking out the trash is not praiseworthy. It's a part of what you have to do in your life. Like turning on the TV is not praiseworthy. It's a part of what you do in your life. Yeah. Again, these are things that just happen, you know? And when they happen, it, it, it's, you know, it's unfortunate that women, a lot of women are in situations where they're in, you know, abusive relationships or they're even in, you know, and it may not even be as bad as an abusive relationship, but they're in a marriage that they're not happy in and there mm-hmm. is no intention on the other end or even on both ends for them to be happy but she's like i'm not leaving because who else am i going to be married to absolutely now i'm not going to be able to get remarried so there is a huge stigma when it comes to divorce and it mainly affects women in the sense that like then it's like oh yeah you remember her old scheme like her husband left her when really she's probably the one who left him but yeah and you know what's funny is when a man who's divorced will come and be like i'm looking to get married uh, and, and then you ask, well, no, not just that. You ask them their conditions, like what, what kind of, you know, who you're looking for, what kind of a person, uh, someone that's never been married before. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. What? It's like, I don't want to marry someone that, that's already been married. I don't want to marry someone that's been divorced. It's like, but you've been divorced. <laughs> you, you, you've already been through that yourself. So th- there's that aspect of it. But you know what? There's, there's also this aspect of us shying away from the topic so much that I feel like it has a more detrimental impact on our kids yeah. uh, that experience divorce in their families. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and not, not, you know, again, like you mentioned, the Quran, by the way, is again, we want to teach our kids the Quran. Again, it's, we go to that whole thing, right? We want our kids to memorize Quran, learn the Quran, live. The, there's a whole surah called Surah Al-Talaq. There are other chapters that have these chapters of divorce. If you're really teaching your kids the Quran, right? If you're really teaching your society the Quran, you're teaching them about divorce. You're teaching them about divorce law. You're teaching them about rights that people have over each other, et cetera, et cetera. But why is it that so many people don't know how khula works? Why is it that so many people don't know, wait a minute, how many, you know, et cetera. So we're not doing a good job of, of as a community, you know, even as a Muslim community that wants our kids to be proud Muslims, et cetera, et cetera. We're not, we're not setting them up for, you know, appropriate uh, successful futures, but it also has a debt. And I, and I say this from experience, right? And you know this, and I, I say this, you know, I have, I have kids uh, from a previous marriage and it's, it's just very detrimental when kids themselves are, you know, they don't know anyone that's, yeah. that's all, you know, I don't know this happened all the time, or this is that something like this happens. It can crush their entire world because it's not something that's already, you know, known to exist. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. this is something that happens uh, with couples and societies. And then we don't know how to handle it as couples. We don't know how to, uh, you know, we just, very, again, it becomes like that boy going interaction. It's very awkward. Or even as a, as a community, you know, like, yeah. and then community members see these kids who have, who their parents have separated. Yes. And oh, they say, God. oh yeah, that child comes from a broken home. That's, broken home. That is oh, what God. I hate the most. Like yeah. they come from a broken home or she, he or she came from a broken family. Yeah. And it's like, then you have the kid wondering, well, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my family? You know, yeah. how yeah, come absolutely. my parents, you know, are broken? Why do they have to break our family apart when that's not the case? That's not what divorce is. It's not a breaking a family, you know, it's yeah. actually meant to be there because if you're in a relationship that is, there's no way of, you know, living as civil human being that res- human beings that respect each other's rights, yeah. that's a broken family when you're disrespecting someone or not giving somebody their rights given to them by god yeah. in their house like that that's a broken family that's right that's absolutely right and so you know that that's why the scholars would say that you know 
divorce can take on a variety of rulings. Sometimes it can be mandatory. Yeah. Uh, and that's why it'll be out of the hands. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, you know, the, <clears throat> there's so many ayat that talk about it, but, you know, there's, there's even a, a, you know, the, the ayah that talks about, you know, uh, somebody, a representative from her family, representative yeah. from his family. And in, in certain madhabs, in certain madhahib, that, that, that decision now rests in the hands of these two representatives, not even the husband and wife, because they're saying, look, I'm, I'm letting you take over my side because I can't talk to this person. Yeah. And the other person's doing the same. And they're saying, look, whatever you come to the conclusion of, that's going to be final because I can't communicate with this person. And so you have, the, so we have a whole beautiful, we have a really beautiful system for dealing with this. Like, you know, and, and, and if there is, if there is reconciliation, like the Quran mentions, if the, the spouses reconcile amongst themselves, nobody else then can come and, and mess with that reconciliation, right? It's not like, so if they now decide, okay, you know what, we're going to give this another chance. You don't get to come in as an outsider now and say, well, <laughs> so there's, there's a whole beautiful system that's built around and we should actually celebrate uh, the fact that, you know, we have a religion that's so practical. Yeah. That every aspect of our deen has been, uh, you know, explained so beautifully, it's taken care of. And so a person that's divorced is a person that, you know, gets to experience the rulings of Islam uh, that exist by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they, you know, they get to get the edge of being in line with those rulings, right? Mm -hmm. And that's whenever you're within the bounds of Islam and in obedience to Islam, you're getting ajr for that. And so there's this separate type of ajr you're getting as a divorced person if, you, you know, if, you're, if you're dealing with the divorce process uh, according to your faith. Yeah. And that in and of itself, you know, it's, it's you, could do it, you could do it some other way and then that would be sinful. So if you're doing it the proper way, you know, there's, there's reward in that. Yeah. So I guess the solution to this is that there shouldn't be a stigma, even though there is, and we need to stop yeah. as a community. We need to, you know, come together and stop, stop the way that we treat people and the way Husnudan, there it goes. Husnudan, worst possible thoughts. It's like, yeah. man, if somebody divorced her, she must've done something that she can't right. be marriageable again. <laughs> that's, it's that's like, the thought that comes to people's it. minds. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, yeah, you, there's there's no other word for it. I guess it's just absolutely ridiculous. But yeah, so I think I think we have too many stigmas in our community that uh, we could probably dedicate entire episodes to to talking stigma. about. Oh yeah, but we for all you, yeah, go ahead. We should have called the podcast "Stigmas," not oh. "Facebook Filters." Ah, I think we're doing a good job of keeping the filters out of this. Uh, <laughs> it's it's good. It's good. Uh, for all you people out there that are divorced, you know, uh, subhanAllah, it's, you know, one of the things I will, you know, one piece of advice I'll give you guys is, you know, look back at the seerah of the Prophet uh, for contextual lessons, right? And one of the things the Prophet experienced, the companions experienced was, and the Quran talks about this a lot, is how, you know, how you can deal with people uh, and yourself spiritually when people are constantly criticizing you, right? And mm -hmm. so in the prophet's context, when he's out there sharing the simple truth of la ilaha illallah, uh, even when he's out there telling people, hey, don't bury your daughters alive, right? As, as the message of the Quran clearly says. So he's saying things which in society are creating, like, why is he talking about this? You know, because this is what we believe about such and such an issue, whatever. But if you read the seerah of the prophet, وسلم, you know, with your issue in mind, you'll get a lot of lessons in how to deal with other people. Right. What do I do? And, you know, Allah SWT tells the Prophet, you know, forget them when they say something like that. Don't pay attention to what they say. Uh, you know, put your you know, attention towards the believers who are supporting you. Right. Go to the people. And, and they, they were the weaker ones in society at the time. Right. So a lot of your people that didn't have the, the tribes to back them up and and the people that were slaves in society were accepting Islam. And Allah is saying, look, 
These people, they believe you, they believe in you, forget these other people, go to them, right? And so one of the things you definitely want to do is to make sure you're surrounding yourself with a support system of people that are, that, that are empowering you and, and, and reassuring you and not constantly be around those people that are uh, criticizing and just, you know, for no, for no reason other than the fact that you, you went through a divorce, right? You don't, you don't have to put up with that. And so you have your own little hijra that you can do, your own little migration in your perspective and your company. There's so many things you can get from the sirah if you read it with your particular questions and issues in mind. It's a beautiful thing. Well, I think that's the time because I do not want Sister Lubna to come shut us down. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, so mashallah, alhamdulillah, I think we had a good uh, first episode. Zakallah khair, Ustada, for you know your time, and I look forward to having more conversations with you when uh, we do the next one. Yeah. And we- hopefully, we'll get more questions from Dallas because those people seem like they're a little lazy not submitting questions. But wow. props to the ATL crowd. Wow. <laughs> I'll be sure to let my Dallas people know. There we go. Let's let's see if they can come up with some. Trolling you on your Instagram. I'm gonna send them to your Instagram. Hey, bring it on. Bring it on. I'm I'm ready for it. Remember that last time you put up the poll and I sent all my people to your Instagram? Yeah, that that was not fair, but you know, that's fine. I got I got my my peeps now. I got my gang. Oh, okay. okay. All right, Zakallah Khair, Ustada, and we're very excited that you know we're we're launching this podcast. Inshallah, it's going to be uh, you'll you'll get an episode per month for now, and we'll see how the demand goes. But uh, this has been fun, and we look forward to the next episode when we talk more about the issues you guys want us to talk about. Inshallah. Real talk about real issues. All right, guys. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.